Act 2, Jessica, The Uncalculated Chapter 1, Family Issues Hmm. Jessica Dragonfly, the firstborn child of King Skywind, tapped the piece of chalk against her chin. She and her best friend stared at the blackboard littered with calculations and formulas. For the past three hours, the duo had been struggling to solve a nearly impossible problem that was plaguing the princess. We must be getting close to an answer. Alonso rubbed his fingers through his hair. Maybe we should go through the math one more time. Good idea, Jessica agreed. Okay. We agreed that the black and red cardigan was a perfect blend of colors for the cold weather, but the horizontal stripes make me look large. And the silk dress was comfortable and stylish, but the feathers on the left shoulder keep hitting my face and tickling my nose, negating all comfort factors. The sun hat would be a nice replacement from the crown, and I like the color, but the bow is way too much. And lastly, the boots. They're the right size, they're comfortable, and they go up to my thighs, adding an abundant degree of sexiness. But the pink laces make me gag. I don't get it. Alonso sighed. After fifteen years, how has your mom not figured out what you like? I know, right? But all I need is to pick one thing she got me for my birthday or she will cry. But it's all so terrible. Jessica slammed her forehead against the blackboard out of frustration. I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings, but at the same time I don't want to look ridiculous. Wait. I have an idea. The Duke of the Spiderbite Kingdom took the chalk and scribbled on the blackboard. If we were to subtract negative aspects of each article of clothing via alteration, your clothes would be much more fashionable and function, and you'd still be using the gifts your mother gave you. That's brilliant, Jessica beamed. And I know just the man to pull off such an operation. The former wielder of the scepter rushed to her dresser and pulled out her magic mirror. Mirror, mirror, in my hand, call Grandpa Hymnal, across the land. The reflective surface of the beauty mirror magically altered to window, bringing Jessica face to face with her favorite relative. Hi, Grandpa. Quick question, how fast can you get to the castle? Is this fast enough? Hymnal chortled as he walked through her bedroom door. Grandpa. Jessica dropped her mirror and happily threw herself at her grandfather. What are you doing here? Well, since I miss your actual birthday, I wanted to at least give you my gift in person. The old man reached into his satchel and handed her a beautiful set of ten rings for each finger. So, what do you think? Be honest. Be brutal. Oh, my. Stump. Jessica gingerly slipped each ring over her fingers, admiring the sparkling jewelry. This is perfect. I've always wanted bling like this. Well, I'm glad you like Ga. The former king recoiled in terror at the sight of the clothing. What in the name of Indexia is that? That's what I called you for, Jessica suddenly remembered. Mom bought me all this really tacky stuff that has good and bad qualities. And if I don't wear them, it'll make her sad. Can you whip out some scissors and a sewing kit and fixing all of this? Hymnal's expression was one of confusion and indignance. Jessica, it is not that easy to just wait a minute. I'm a genius, he said as he held up a pair of scissors and a sewing kit, glaring the gaudy clothing articles with a hungry look in his eyes. 
Jessica and Alonso watched in amazement as the old ruler skillfully altered the clothing at a frightening pace. There! All done! Jessica was delighted at the sight of her improved clothing. The cardigan had been cut apart and stitched back together so that the stripes were vertical. The boots' pink laces had been dyed black. The feathers had been carefully removed from the dress and placed into the hat to replace the bow. Oh my, this is amazing, Grandpa! Thank you so much! Jessica praised her grandfather as she took the clothes behind her room's panel divider to change. At last, she stepped out from behind the board, did a spin, and struck an impressive pose for her small audience. The Duke of Spiderbite was love-struck at the sight of his crush. This is great! Now I can make Mom happy and look fabulous! I owe you one, Grandpa! Oh, think nothing of it, darling! Hymno brushed a piece of fabric off of his shoulder, proud of his latest achievement. So, speaking of your mother, where is she? I haven't seen her or your father since I entered the castle. Oh, that's probably because they're in their master bedroom. Jessica explained, admiring herself in the mirror. Mom went into labor this morning and they've been with the royal doctor ever since. Oh, that makes sense. Hymno nodded. Wait, what? Your little brother is about to come into this world, and you're in here worrying about your clothes? Yeah, pretty much, she shrugged. I mean, Mom's been screaming all day. I'm surprised you didn't hear it. Oh, is that what that was? I thought that was the harvest horn. Hymno shook his head. Well, let's go. We need to support your parents. This is a magical moment. Well, I wouldn't know. Jessica pouted. Dad took my magic. Just so he could give it to a brother I don't even want. Well, this is awkward. Alonso quietly made his way out the door. Oh, Jessica, darling. Hymno sat down next to his granddaughter. I know it was hard for you to give up the scepter, but I'm sure your father still loves you. The girl rolled her eyes and focused on her makeup. The former king sighed sadly. All right. I'm gonna go check on your parents. Please consider following me. With that, the fashionable ruler made his way to the master bedroom just as the pain screaming started to die down. As he got closer, he stopped to lovingly brush a painting of his dearly departed wife. Oh, Sarah. He mused happily. If only you could be here to see this. At last, he entered his former bedroom to find the king and queen sitting on the bed. Hi, Dad. Skywind waved, not looking up. The royal doctor passed his former king with a happy nod. By the time Himmel made it to the bed, his son finally looked at him. Thank you for coming, Dad. Huh? Himmel held a hand to his ear. Skywind rolled his eyes in annoyance. I said thank you for coming, Dad. Oh, it's just something I threw together, but thank you. Hymno brushed off his sleeves, unaware of what his son actually said. Skywind decided to drop it and just enjoy having his family together for this special moment. That is, until he realized there was one important member of his family missing. Dad, where's my daughter? Hymno appeared to ignore the question, continuing to play with his new grandson. The king's anger flared. Oh, for pity's sake, Dad. Where is my daughter? 
Why are you shouting at me? Hymnal snapped. Because you need a hearing horn, old man. I do not need a hearing horn. You just need to stop mumbling at me, Grandpa. I do not mumble. Pfft. I don't mumble. What's he talking about? Skywind mumbled to himself. Just go keep Gemivine company while I look for Jessica, please. After his father agreed, Skywind went off in search of the princess. It didn't take long for him to find her in her room, still working on her appearance. Skywind always thought it was uncanny how similar she was to his father. If it weren't for her remarkable intellect, he would have been worried. He knocked on the door frame to grab her attention, then entered the room. Jessica, sweetie, your brother is finally here. He smiled. Would you like to meet him? No, thank you, she replied coldly. I'd rather not meet my replacement. Replacement? Skywind sounded horrified. What are you talking about? Oh, just give it a rest, she snapped. Ever since you heard Mom was pregnant, you've been ecstatic. You were happy when you took the scepter from me. Who told you that? Madame Indexia. Well, she's not getting any more pudding for a month. Skywind groaned. Okay, yes, I was happy, but it was because of your brother. Not because I was taking the scepter from you. But she said you'd always wanted a son, Jessica muttered, and that you were dancing around right after you took the scepter back. Make it three months. The king of ours tiredly rubbed a hand over his face. Darling, it's not that I... I mean I still, okay. Remember when you were five years old and you wanted a puppy? But your mother and I didn't think you were old enough to take care of one, so instead we got you a turtle? Yeah? And then what happened? Hmm? He smiled. Even though you really wanted a puppy, you really liked that turtle, huh? You used to talk to it and carried it around with you and paint its shell. You were happy, right? Yeah until Aunt Rosalind ran him over with a carriage. I'm sure he didn't feel it. Skywind shook his head, exhausted. My point is, you loved that turt, and you wouldn't have traded it for any puppy in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, sweetie, I feel the same way about you. The king wrapped his arms around her for reassurance. I am not going to love you any less because of this boy. In fact, I guarantee that I will love you even more now that this boy has come along. You will always be my precious daughter, and nothing will ever change that. I promise. Jessica's lips finally curled up, and she returned the embrace. Thank you, Daddy. Now, will you please come see your brother? He pleaded. I think you'll like him. Reluctantly, Jessica followed her father into the master bedroom where her weary mother cradled the newborn infant. As the teenage princess got closer, she noticed the baby's bright green eyes and a curl of red hair. He was almost a spitting image of their father if it weren't for the lightning bolt birthmarks on his cheeks. What's his name? Hmm. We still haven't decided. Skywind admitted. Oh. Why don't we name him after your grandfather? Gemivine offered. Hymnal's nose crinkled up in disgust. Tiberius? Are you kidding me, darling? No. 
the king's eyes lit up as an idea popped up. Let's name him after your grandfather. Solarius. I like it, Jessica admitted, trying to hide the glowing clover-shaped marks on her cheeks. Can, can I hold him, Mom? Of course, sweetie. Jemivine smiled brightly as she handed the newborn baby into her daughter's arms. Solarius gazed up at his sister with a gleam in his eyes. The queen smiled at the sight of her children together. Isn't he cute? Not sure of what to do now, the princess gently tickled under the baby's chin, enticing a soft laugh. Jessica was hypnotized by her new brother's giggling. Her heart throbbed as she held him closer, smashing his face against hers. Oh, my stump, he's perfect. I love him, she cried. As the princess of Muni and older sister, I swear that I will cherish and protect this sweet little nugget for the rest of my life. Ah, that's so adorable, the queen gushed. And I will eviscerate anyone who dares to bring him harm. The mathematician's voice grew significantly darker as she squeezed the baby tighter. Getting a little less adorable. Skywin muttered, sharing a nervous glance with his wife. She was just a girl, but she could dream. So goes the sad tale of Jessica, the Unking. Act 3 Solarius, the Monster Carver Chapter 1, A Castle Stormed Jessica Dragonfly Spiderbite, Prime Minister of her family's kingdom, had been summoned to the castle for a special occasion. In a week's time, her younger brother, Solarius, would inherit the magic scepter and begin studying under Madame Indexia. But before his big day, she would be treating her favorite little boy to one last night of no responsibilities. Although she was jealous at first, Solarius soon became Jessica's most beloved relative. She knew better than anyone how much pressure came with the scepter, and although she was initially upset about having her family's heirloom taken from her, a part of her felt relieved to no longer worry about the crippling responsibility. So, in honor of the upcoming event, she would ensure that her little brother had the time of his life. Once she entered the dining hall, she placed her satchel on the table and took a seat. It wasn't long before the royal chef presented her with a plate of breakfast scones, made just the way she liked them. She thanked the chef, asked him to inform her family of her arrival, and opened up her satchel despite her current mission, she still needed to handle a few minor issues back in the spider-bite kingdom, one of which happened to be creating a cure for poisonous spider-bites. But while she was busy enjoying her scones and double-checking her calculations, a shadowy figure watched her from the room's chandelier. The hunter observed his prey with a greedy look in his eyes as he slowly moved back up into the rafters. Without making a sound, he expertly slithered down the drapes and crept up behind the unsuspecting prime minister. Inhaling deeply, he prepared a mighty roar that would frighten his prey into submission before going in for the kill. Don't. Even. Think about it. Jessica warned without even looking up. Solaria slowly released the air from his cheeks, disappointed in his failure. How'd you know it was me? He asked, sitting next to her. I'm your big sister. I know everything. She snarked, playfully rubbing her brother's scarlet locks. So, how've you been since my last visit? Out of trouble. 
Solarius replied before swiping one of her scones. So far. I still haven't got my newberty wings yet. He sighed, pointing with his thumb towards his bare back. You will. You're just a late bloomer. I mean, I see a little bit of stubble. Jessica cooed and pinched his cheeks. Are you excited for next week? You're finally gonna get the scepter and magic book. That'll be cool, right? Yeah, I guess. Solarius shrugged. Honestly, I haven't really given it much thought. What do you mean you haven't given it much thought? His sister almost sounded insulted. It's an incredible honor. And let me tell you, the first time. You hold it? Oh, it still gives me shivers just thinking about it. All that raw power at once. So intoxicating. What could possibly be more important to you? Solarius dropped his breakfast pastry and leaned back into his chair. Promise not to tell Dad. A small nod encouraged Solarius to continue. Hecapo and Rombuli have been teaching me how to fight. And I know what you're going to say. We have an army to protect us from the monsters. There's no need to focus on delusions of grandeur. But ever since what happened to Mom last year, I just can't sit on a throne and think about how scared our people are all the time. Solarius, darling. Jessica rubbed her temples in frustration. We all miss Mom. But there are some things that not even we can control. Well, my friends and I think differently. Solarius replied confidently. I've even talked Milo into joining my crusade. What do you think of that? Milo Loveberry? Jessica questioned as she scribbled a few more calculations. Isn't he the kid who got scared by a butterfly? Well, yes. The prince rubbed his neck embarrassed. But he's working on it. Plus, if needed, I learned about a special potion to induce bravery from Alphys. Alphys? Jessica's ears perked up. Her attention was fully focused on her brother now, as she slid her paper, pen, ink, and breakfast away from her. Who's Alphys? Where'd you meet? Have you two kissed yet? What's her job? Ahead, I thought you knew everything, the prince remarked slyly. Oh, come on, Jessica beamed. I want to know all the details. There are no details, he groaned, rolling his eyes. We're just friends. I'm really not that interested in romance. Seeing his older sister pout, Solarius sighed in exasperation. All right, you can ask about three things. And that's all. Deal. She agreed, and began her interrogation. First item, what's she do for a living? Well, she learned fishing from her parents, but after they were eaten by a sea monster, she lied about her age and joined the Royal Navy. Solarius' eyes widened upon realization. Uh, don't tell Aunt Rosalind I said that. Uh, okay. I guess. Jessica shrugged. Okay, second topic of discussion. Is she the same age as you? No, not exactly. Oh, so she's younger? No. Jessica let out a gasp of surprise. Older. How much older? It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. She pressed on in a sing-sanji tone. Does my baby brother have his eyes set on a mature silver fox? Ew, no. He laughed. 
She's only five years older than me, okay? Uh, that's not too bad. The older sibling shrugged once more. Third, where's she live? She inherited her parents' boat, and she's been building up on it ever since. It's very nice. A full kitchen, five bedrooms, even a bathroom, he concluded. And that concludes our discussion on the matter. Fine. But I expect to meet her in the future, Jessica conceded. The Prime Minister stood up from her seat and straightened her outfit. Anyway, I came to show you a fun time before your big day, and we spider bites always keep our promises. So, what would you like to do? Well, I would like that, Jessica, but... Solarius sighed and rose from his seat. Dad wants me to spend this whole week brushing up on the ceremony. Seriously? He won't give you one day off? So, thanks anyway, but... I have a study session with Indexia. The prince wandered down the hall with a somber expression. On the way to his room, Solarius stopped in front of a suit of armor and removed the helmet. He placed it over his head and admired his reflection in a nearby vanity. But when he tried to remove it, his hair was caught in the seams. Oh, damn it! Once he was finally freed, he angrily threw the headgear away. Maybe I should consider a haircut, he thought to himself. Ah, there you are. Skywind called out to his son, holding a change of clothes under his arms. Get changed and meet me in the ceremonial chambers. We'll begin the rehearsal in twenty minutes. Do I have to wear this? The son groaned. Yes. By order of King Himno before me, when inheriting the royal scepter, one must be dressed appropriately. Since when do you care about what Grandpa wanted? He muttered. What was that? Nothing. Solarius ran to his room to change, trying to escape his father's glare. Later, the prince was still tugging at his collar by the time he stepped inside the chamber. The tie was nearly choking him, the jacket was restricting, his shoes were too small, and his pants were too itchy. Quit messing around with your clothes and get up here, Skywind barked. Solarius rolled his eyes and made his way to the podium and straighten your back. A king never slouches. Begrudgingly, Solarius obeyed his father and corrected his posture. Once he and his father were face to face, he respectfully kneeled before his king. Skywind balanced the scepter with his palms, reciting an ancient code passed down from previous generations. Then, he looked down at his son, Prince Solarius Dragonfly, son of Skywind. You are the twenty-ninth person to inherit the scepter of King Brian Dragonfly. Recite your vows of honor as tribute to your forefathers. Solarius licked his lips and cleared his throat. Ah, uh, this is an honor and a privilege. With the scepter in my hands, I will, perfect. He looked down at the markings on his palm. Sorry, protect Muni from Dash. Skywind grabbed his son's hand and irritably reviewed the writing. What the hell is this? Notes. The prince replied sheepishly. Just in case I get lost. I told you to memorize them. The king pulled the boy back to his feet so he could look into his eyes. You were supposed to schedule in enough time along with your regular studies. I'm sorry, okay? The prince countered. I was busy.
I guess I forgot. Oh, did you? Or did you just ignore my instructions? The patriarch crossed his arms as he continued. You forget that Indexia still serves me as well. She's told me that you hardly pay attention to the lessons I've assigned you. But Dad, it's so boring. Most of it doesn't even have anything to do with being a king. Where's the battle strategies? The defense protocols? I haven't even learned how we're going to expand the kingdom. That's what your squire asked for, which you still haven't decided. And the lessons are important. By studying previous spells, you'll learn to create your own. Why are you being so difficult? I never gave your grandfather this much grief when I inherited the scepter dash. Oh, for the love of stump. Solarius tore off his bow tie and threw it to the ground. Here we go again. You, 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 you. Get it through your thick, intellectual skull, Dad. I'm never gonna be like you. With his rage subsiding, Solarius rubbed his forehead in exhaustion. I mean, I don't get it, Dad. Can't you just love me for who I am? Not for who you want me to be? No. Skywind bellowed, harshly. Solarius took a step back out of shock. I need you to be more like me. Our people need you to be more like me. Look at the way your grandfather ran this kingdom. If you don't wise up, you'll end up just like him, despised and unwanted. I didn't let it happen to me or Jessica, and I won't let you ruin yourself like that. Solarius' heart ached at his father's statement. His eyebrows knitted together as he looked away. I hate you, he muttered. What? I said I hate you, Solarius snapped. I never asked to be a prince. I never asked for this, this pampered life. All you ever do is push all your expectations onto me. You never ask me what I want. That's it. Go to your room, Skywind pointed to the staircase. You can come down when you've come to your senses. Fine. As he was just entering the doorway, Solarius turned around for one last remark before slamming the door. Oh, and if you're not too busy, could you just go to hell? Three hours went by, and Solarius hadn't heard any more from his father. A tiny pebble tapped his window, earning his attention. Just as he opened the windowsill, another pebble hit him in the eye. Oh. Solarius! Hurry! Let me in! Once his vision cleared, the prince saw a scrawny peasant boy close to his age, dressed in humble garbs. It was Milo Loveberry, Solarius' best friend from a smaller settlement near the kingdom's defensive wall. Let me in! Solarius, let me in, please! Milo? Okay, hang on! The prince wondered which of his friend's absurd phobia had been triggered this time but he knew that panic attacks were no joking matter. After digging around in his closet, he found the rope, tied it to his bedpost, and tossed the other end out the window. And just like countless times before, Milo climbed fifty feet into the prince's room. Solarius! The poor boy struggled to catch his breath. Solarius, there's, th, there's a, um, uh, mama, there's a mon. For pity's sake, Milo, speak the king's mumen. I dash. I. Eyeball? Are you trying to say eyeball? I saw a monster, Milo said at last.
I saw a big, scary monster. You saw a big, scary monster? Solarius cocked a curious eyebrow. What's the big deal? I mean, I hate them as much as the next guy, but they can't do any harm outside the walls. No. No, this one was inside the walls. And it was big. I mean, bigger than my house. Bigger than twenty houses. And it had these ugly, yellow fangs. And tentacles. Long, slimy tentacles. I swear to stump, I was so scared, solarious, I just dash. A strong hand clasped over the peasant's mouth, and Solarius leaned in closer. Show me. But before anything else could be said, the duo heard screaming coming from downstairs. The castle floor nearly shook apart, causing both of them to fall. Oh no! It's here! You stay here! Hide under the bed! I'll come back for you! The prince lifted his pillow to grab his scabbard and shield before rushing out the door. Following the sound of screams, he jumped over collapsed pillars and maneuvered around piles of rubble. By the time he reached the main hall, he spotted the monster feasting on a group of delegates from the smaller towns. He was just about to engage when Skywind blasted the creature with a simple attack spell. The monster retaliated with a powerful blow that slammed the king's head against the stone wall, rendering him unconscious. Luckily, Jessica had been with her father before the attack and activated her Muberty form to protect him. Unfortunately, it had been so long since she used her body's natural reserves that she had forgotten how to properly distribute it. The monster was pushed into a load-bearing wall, causing the ceiling to collapse. Solarius pressed his back against the wall as the monster retreated down another hallway. Jessica? He called. Can you hear me? Jessica! The rubble was too thick. No one could hear him no matter how loud he screamed. He started digging away at the debris when he came across the familiar sight of his family heirloom. Fearing the worst, the prince tucked the scepter into his belt and started digging faster. No, please, he thought. Please, don't let that be the last thing I ever said to him. I didn't mean it. Just then, another scream drew his attention. Milo. Abandoning the blockade, Solarius ran down the hallway, following the screams. His pace soon quickened as he realized he was following the monster's path. Milo? 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 At last, he found his best friend in the clutches of the beast. Milo squirmed and struggled, but the monster was too hungry to let him go. The boy's face turned blue just as the disgusting monster slowly lowered him towards its mouth. Without hesitating, Solarius rushed towards the hideous beast with the weapon firmly held in his grasp. A mighty bellow rumbled from his throat, startling the monster into dropping Milo to the cold floor. The Prince of Muni used his momentum to propel himself into the air, and soon felt liquid warmth splash over his face. The monster recoiled in agony, furious over the loss of its limb. The beast eyed its attacker with a wrathful glare. Solarius and Milo covered their ears to spare themselves from the deafening roar that echoed through the castle. Nevertheless, the future king stood his ground. He would let no harm come to his best friend. The hulking monster's tendrils shot forward, trying to corner its prey. But much to its dismay, the Muman boy would not be taken easily. 
Solarius blocked each attack with his wooden shield, while the cold steel of his blade tore green flesh asunder. But as the battle carried on, his muscles grew weary, his vision blurred, his joints ached, and eventually his sword and shield slipped from his hands. Milo watched in horror as one last green tendril snaked around Solarius' ankle and lifted him over the monster's head, feeling powerless to do anything. But just as all hope seemed lost, the peasant boy spotted the magic scepter lying next to him. Solarius! The prince looked towards his best friend just in time to see him throw his family heirloom at him. He had to admit, for a weakling, Milo could throw better than anyone else he knew. Just as his fingers wrapped around the scepter's hilt, Solarius was dropped into the monster's mouth. Milo screamed at the top of his lungs, mourning the loss of his friend. The monster swallowed its bounty with a sinister cackle before crawling towards the other mumin. The peasant cowered before the beast, waiting for the inevitable. But just as the monster was about to feed again, its face contorted in pain. Milo was confused as it wrapped what was left of its tendrils around its stomach. Without warning, a dark red flame burst through the monster's stomach, and Solarius let out a violent, primal scream as he pushed his way through the cut. The prince fell to his knees, coughing and vomiting up the monster's blood. The rancid taste was almost enough to keep him down, but the monster wasn't finished yet. Solarius gazed down at his family's most prized possession, which now resembled a battle axe, and tightened his grip. Jessica was right. The power did feel intoxicating. Looking back at his opponent, Solarius twirled his scepter before confidently strolling towards the bleeding behemoth. Both Milo and the monster shuddered as the prince's eyes twinkled in delight. Hours later, Rosalind and the royal guard had driven off the rest of the monster horde while Jessica and her husband tended to the injured. Skywind on the other hand was desperately searching through the rubble for a particular red-haired boy. Solarius? He called. Solarius, where are you? Son! Dad, calm down. We're gonna find Solarius. Jessica tried her best to soothe her father's nerves, but deep down she was just as fearful for her brother's life. He's got the scepter, right? She thought to herself, nervously. He should be fine, right? Your Majesty! One of the guards raced into the room, struggling to catch his breath. I found a trail of blood leading into the foyer. Skywind and Jessica raced down the hallway with their hearts pounding against their chests. Rosalind led a barrage of soldiers right behind them, armed to the teeth and ready to fight. But to their surprise, all they found was Solarius and Milo resting against a giant green corpse. It didn't take long for the king to notice that the blood caked over his son's skin did not belong to him. Solarius, you killed a monster? On your own? No, your majesty. Milo breathed heavily in amazement. He didn't just kill it. He carved it. Nobody said a word. They were too scared to do anything. At last, Jessica helped her brother up to his feet before kneeling before him. Well done, Prince Solarius, the monster carver. Solarius gawked as the denizens all followed in the prime minister's example and kneeled before the prince. As for the boy himself, his eyes fell upon his father, who slowly marched towards him. 
but instead of contempt or disappointment, Skywin's expression was that of pride. Well, you heard the... Woman people! He exclaimed, raising his son's hand into the air. All hail Solarius! The monster carver! Hail Solarius! The monster carver! Chapter 2 Building an Army Mama? The young prince climbed the steps of his parents' tower one dark and rainy night. A frightening noise had stirred the boy from his peaceful slumber. At first, he thought it might have been thunder in the distance, but after no lightning had flashed, he had grown suspicious. As he continued onward, he called out to his mother, hoping to hear her voice in reply. But once he reached the wooden door, he saw a dark red liquid seeping out from behind. Lizardmen, a vile and devious species of monster, hated even among other monsters. Solarius gazed into the yellow eyes of the beast that had finished feasting upon his mother's flesh. Mama! He cried out in anguish. The cry echoed around the castle, prompting five guards to storm into their king's chambers. Your Majesty! Are you all right? Solarius rubbed his hand over his face, wiping the icy droplets of perspiration from his skin. As his gaze shifted to the window, the moonlight reflected in the glass. Many years had passed since Solarius inherited the family scepter, and the warrior king still suffered from that dreadful memory. Eventually, his breath had steadied enough for him to dismiss his guards. Disinterested in sleep, he threw away his covers and moved to his desk. The spell book was soon opened up to his chapter, and his teacher rose out from the pages. Good evening, Indexia, he murmured tiredly. Good evening, M. Lord, she bowed in reply. Another nightmare, Solarius? Yes, Indexia. Is it the same nightmare, or were there any alterations? No, Indexia. It's the same, he sighed. It's always the same. Is Hecapo awake? At this hour? I would imagine so. Please give him a call on the mirror for me. As you wish. Soon enough, the magic mirror displayed the interior of the Eternal Forge. Hecapo dipped a pair of newly crafted scissors into the quenched tank before acknowledging the call. You rang, Your Majesty? I want the commission to assemble the delegation at my war room tomorrow. It is time to address what we will do about the monster hordes. We will meet at dawn. As you command, King Solarius, Hecapo bowed. Anything else? No, that will be all. Thank you, Hecapo. With that, Solarius ended the call and returned to his bed. Additionally, sire, you have an incoming call from your father. Indexia chirped. Just ignore it. Solarius grunted and went back to sleep. The next day, every representative from the smaller kingdoms of Muni had been assembled early in the morning. The Spiderbites, the Waterfolk, the Jaggy Mountains, the Pony Heads, and even the Princess of the Underworld waited patiently for their king to arrive. At last, Solarius entered the war room last, taking his seat among the others. His clothing consisted of an enchanted leather. Armor that would protect him in battle. For a moment, the room was devoid of all sound. It wasn't until Solarius' eyes landed on the Spiderbite's chair that he spoke up. Warner Spiderbite, he said. 
I was expecting either my sister or stepbrother to attend. Sorry to disappoint your majesty, the baron replied, trying not to sound offended. But given that this is a matter of war, I offered to come in place of my nephew. Very well, the king nodded. Now, ladies and gentlemen of Muni, I have gathered you all here to discuss my plans for a war against the monsters. The gathered delegates screamed, hysterically. Some of them got up on the table, others were frantically running around the room. No king had ever remotely suggested declaring war against the monster hordes. Solarius observed their reactions, he saw the fear in their eyes. Shoot him! Phineas Dilute of the Waterfolk cried out. Cut out his tongue! Raphael Johansson added. Shoot him and cut out his tongue! Hecapos suggested, gleefully, treating the situation like a game. Then shoot his tongue! Order! Order! I said order! Solarius struck the rod of his scepter against the floor, trying to quiet down the room. Now I understand your fears, but with our combined strength, we have a chance. We don't need to attack the monsters. Baron Spiderbite voiced his concerns. The mystic barrier will keep them away from our kingdoms. Yes. Solarius growled at the Baron's cowardice. The barrier will protect the kingdoms, but what about the villages outside the barrier? What about them, huh? It our duty my duty to protect the people of Muni. And that's not easy when the rest of you insist on cowering in these safe places. But my liege dash. Silence! Solarius angrily ordered the king of the pony heads to bite his tongue. Once the gathered leaders settled down, the magical king calmed himself. Now, I do not want you to think that I have not thought this through. Indexia told me of Muni's past. Before the kingdom was as big as it was today, the monsters mostly resided in the forest of certain death. It wasn't until two centuries ago that those wretched beasts started raiding expansionists, prompting King Griffin to build the barrier around the major kingdoms that I planned to build an army, one powerful enough to force the monsters back into the forest of certain death. Begging your pardon, my king, Duchess Onyx of the Jaggy Mountains politely raised her hand. As you are all well aware, my people are one of the only three kingdoms not protected by the magic barrier, the other two being the Cloud Kingdom which resides in the sky, and the underworld. My castle and my people are protected by the heavy mountain terrain. But every three seasons, we send out a trade drive into the other kingdoms to stock up for winter supplies. And every time the assigned group makes this journey, they fall under siege, losing half of the supplies and at least one person. Multiple times, we have tried to fend off the attacks, but none of us have ever had proper training or weaponry. What chance could we have now, while the monsters still outnumber us? Solarius smiled and leaned back in his seat. Milo? Could you come in here, please? Sure enough, the scrawny Milo Loveberry walked into the war room, dressed in armor two sizes too big. Please show these delegates the new trick I taught you, squire. With pleasure, my king. Milo squatted into a defensive stance and growled, menacingly. The congregation gasped in shock as the weakling's body mass started to expand. Solarius stood up, unveiled a blade, and broke it against his squire's super-dense skin. 
Milo Loveberry, my faithful squire, is but the first of my new army of magically enhanced soldiers for my army, the king explained. The spell increases his strength, speed, stamina, and courage. He is the perfect soldier. Impressive. Baron Spiderbite spoke up. But it will take more than one soldier to defeat the entire monster horde. I know this, Solarius admitted, which is why I will scour the land for more volunteers from each and every kingdom, and I think I know where to start. Muni's Wharf. Fifty men on a dead man's chest. Yo-ho-ho, and a bottle of rum. The tavern was full of thirty merchant sailors, drinking in celebration from another successful trade deal. Among them was Captain Alphys Gibbs, an ex-captain from the Royal Navy. Her hostility towards monsters often caused her to act irrationally when faced with a raiding party, putting the members of her crew at risk. She was discharged from service and forced to turn to commercial exploits in order to maintain custody of her father's ship. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo-ho-ho, and a bottle of rum. She laughed, swallowing the bitter liquid. Suddenly, the tavern's door flung open, and the patrons fell deathly silent. Alfie's giggled and took a seat in the corner of the establishment, inviting her old friend to sit with her. Your Majesty, she greeted. Captain, he replied. I need your help. What you need is a drink she slurred. Hey, hogwash. It's hogwise, the bartender corrected irritably. Whatever. Send over two more cups of mead. She turned away from the owner to face her ruler. Oh, yeah, you want anything? Stump Alphys. Solarius sighed. I need your help in looking for soldiers for a new army. I'm leading a crusade against the monster horde. Then you're a dead man, she snorted. No one in their right mind would follow the son of a bureaucrat into battle. You'd have better luck trying to breed a shark with a seal. So what? The king scoffed. I should just give up. Wallowing in self-pity and booze? Watch it, she growled. Alfie's eye. I can't do this on my own, he pleaded. You have connections that would jumpstart my quest to build an army. And of course, I'd be willing to pay you handsomely for your efforts. I could even give you your rank in the Navy back. Together, we can create a world where no child will ever have to witness their loved ones being killed by those savages ever again. Alphys groaned and leaned back in her seat, considering his offer. But before she could reply, a commotion stirred outside. Solarius reached for his scepter only to watch Alfie's draw her musket pistol and bolt out the door. It turns out, the citizens outside were being harassed by four monsters. A size shifter led two frogmen and a kappa on a raid, terrorizing the merchants in the process. Halt, beasts! Solarius drew the monster's attention as two of his guards joined him. You are trespassing on this land and in kingdom of my forefathers. Leave now, or there will be trouble. Pitiful Mumin, the size shifter snarled. This land was never yours. Your kind stole it from us. And now, my spies tell us that you plot to wipe us out. We will not let that happen. Kill them all. Wait a minute. Alfie spoke up, 
causing both brigades to freeze in place. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, just let me see if I understand this correctly. You will fight against them, they will fight against you, all on account of him wanting to kill him? I say, let them fight each other. While the rest of us just sit back, watch, have a drink, and place some wagers. Eh? Eh? Enough talk. The size shifter growled, picking up Alphys. You will all die. Acting quickly, Solarius struck a pressure point in the shifter's arm, forcing it to release the sea captain, who easily gunned down the kappa. The two guards fearlessly engaged the frogmen in an full frontal attack. The captain rose to her feet and fired her remaining ammunition at the backside of the size shifter, while Solarius kept it distracted. His mystic axe made short work of the wooden club, and the monster was now unarmed. It tried to use its own claws and fangs to tear apart its enemy, but it proved to be a useless effort against the combined efforts of the king and the sea captain. Solarius decided to finally end the conflict and cast a powerful firebolt spell that incinerated the beast before turning to check on Alphys. Are you all right? Yeah. So, about that army? The duo beamed with pride, listening to the citizens sing their praises. Mumancy. Needless to say, after Solarius' display of his own might, countless citizens throughout Muni had volunteered to become Solarian warriors. But the war had only just begun. Jessica and the Magical High Commission were placed in charge of diplomatic exploits, while Milo was given a small army to patrol villages outside of the magic barrier. As for Solarius himself, he opted to accompany Alphys and her fleet on a year-long mission to reclaim the monster-occupied islands above the Waterfolk Kingdom. Being the chivalrous ruler that he was, Solarius paid his friend in advance and even provided her with a replacement ship while her father's was being repaired. Best of all, he reinstated her as an official captain of the Royal Navy, christening her Alphys. The Worthy the moonlight reflected off of the surface of the water on the first night of their voyage, much to Solarius' enjoyment. However, he didn't have much time to enjoy the scenery, as Alphys invited him into her room later that night. The sea captain locked the door behind her before moving to close the curtain on her window. Alphys? Solarius spoke in an oblivious tone. I just wanted to thank you, my king. She smiled softly. After all, you did rescue me. You deserve a reward. While she joined him on the bed, she shrugged off her heavy coat and unbuttoned her blouse. The young king blushed brightly. W, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. She replied slyly, untying her corset now. What am I doing? As the space between them grew smaller, Solarius' inhibitions melted away. Their lips joined in a deep, passionate kiss before she pinned him to the bed. Upon contact with the satin covers, the king's mind snapped back to reality. No! He protested, pushing her off of him. I'm sorry, Alphys. You're a very beautiful woman. But you should know that I have no interest in taking a queen. What a coincidence. I have no interest in becoming one. She replied. Her ruler looked confused uncertain of how to process the information. The older woman couldn't help but giggle at his naivety. Stump behold, Solarius. 
I'm not asking you to marry me. I just want to show you how a sailor has a pleasant evening. And if you show me a better evening, perhaps I can extend the time my crew is in your service. The warrior king smiled, hungrily. The things I do for Muni. One year later. Jessica felt elated. She had successfully negotiated a treaty with the underworld's army, and now her little brother was returning from the Waterfolk Isles. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! She squealed with joy, bouncing up and down on the docks. My little brother is coming home. I wonder what he'll look like. A few minutes later, Alfie's ship docked and the High Commission bowed in respect. Jessica rushed up onto the ship's deck at first sight of her favorite relative, wrapping him in her arms. But her excitement faded away at the sight of his nervous expression. Ahead, Jessica? The King of Muni was drenched in sweat as he smiled, nervously. My dear, darling sister, have I told you how much I love you? Jessica felt a knot forming in her chest. Not even when fighting monsters three times his size did her little brother look so scared. What did you do? Solarius gulped hard and stepped away from the boat, helping Alphys onto the dock. To contrast the king, the sea captain was blissfully smiling, carrying something wrapped in swaddling cloth. Upon closer inspection, the knot in Jessica's chest disappeared as her heart melted at the beautiful sight. A small baby with shining purple eyes, a curl of green hair, and dual purple spades on his cheeks shifted in his mother's arms. Ma, ma, meep! Jessica was at a loss for words. It was the most gorgeous baby she had ever seen. Jessica! Solarius finally relaxed. Allow me to introduce you to your nephew, Eclipse Scene. Chapter 3 Alliances and Family Two days after the mission to the Isles of the Waterfolk freed from monster oppression, Solarius quickly set about taking on the rest of the kingdom outside the protective barrier. His first order of business was to reassemble the delegates in the war room. Now with the help of the Underworld's army, Muni had a chance to fight against the monsters. While Alphys was busy with her crew, preparing for the next assignment, Solarius had gone ahead to meet with his council. On his way there, he stopped to speak with Milo to make sure that his best friend was not overwhelmed by the crippling responsibilities of being a general. Thankfully, the spell that had increased his squire's strength had also greatly increased his confidence. Milo had whipped his own brigade into shape while his friend was away, and bravely kept Muni's border safe. With a proud pat on the back, the king left his general back to his work. At last, he entered the war room and got to work, immediately. Thank you all for coming, ladies and gentlemen, he greeted. Now, thanks to our victory at the Waterfolk Isles, and my sister's alliance with the underworld, we may look forward to the future. Our next assignment will be to send a scouting brigade into the Jaggy Mountains to patrol for monster raids. Afterwards, we will focus on the smaller villages just outside the border starting with Hirsch Falls. If we can push the monsters back, the people will gain easy access to better food and water. I will personally choose the soldiers and we will leave within two days. Any questions? Uh, actually, yes, your majesty. Rambili, the youngest member of the commission, replied. Why did you bring your son to the meeting?
Solarius looked down at the slumbering infant, securely strapped to his chest. The king smiled and gently brushed his hand over his son's head before turning back to the crystalline being. Well, he needed a nap, and I've found that he sleeps better while he listens to my heartbeat. Oh! Jessica, Rombili, Lechmat, Indexia, and Duchess Onyx gushed at the adorable scene before them. If there are no further questions, I declare this meeting adjourned. Solarius declared and made his way back to his son's nursery. He gingerly removed the infant from his harness and rocked him in his arms as he sang. Leaves from the vine, falling so slow like fragile, tiny shells, drifting in the foam little soldier boy, come marching home brave soldier boy, comes marching home. He set the innocent boy down in his crib and quietly closed the door. He nearly jumped out of his skin when he came face to face with his sister, who had been standing right behind him. Can I help you? Please let me see him, she begged. Just one little peek. He's sleeping. Then I'll stay and watch over him, she offered. Go talk things out with his mother. I'll look after him. What's there to talk about? I don't know. Just go. The Prime Minister pushed him out the door, eager to spend time with her nephew. Now go! Realizing that there was no point in arguing with his sister, Solarius reluctantly left the castle and marched down to the docks. On his way, he spotted the training camps he had established one year ago, pleased to see how many people had volunteered to join the Royal Muman military. Once he arrived at the docks, he approached Alfie's ship and knocked on the hull. The green-haired captain poked her head over the side with a smile on her face. Permission to come aboard? The king asked politely. She nodded and watched as he made his way up to the deck. Where's our boy? She asked, lighting up her tobacco pipe. He's back at the castle. He's safe. He promised. My sister insisted on spending a few hours alone with him. I can't say I blame her, though. You know she can't have kids of her own. Did I ever tell you that? That's horrible. Alfie's face fell. Maybe, maybe we ought to give her a little bit more than just a few hours. The sea captain stifled a small laugh. What? Her lover's eyebrow arched. What's so funny? Well, I was just wondering. She giggled. Maybe the good prime minister could use a laugh. How do you think she'd react if I told her about your first reaction to learning that you were going to be a father? Don't even think about it. He blushed bright red. I was. You just took me by surprise, that's all. Hey, I'm just saying it's kind of funny. She chuckled and puffed a ring of smoke. To think, the monster carver fearlessly leaps into battle with a smile on his face. But when a delicate, young woman tells him that she's carrying his child, he just faints dead away. Solarius rolled his eyes as his lover buckled over, laughing. However, his eyes scanned over the ship, noticing how bare it was. So, where's your crew? Oh, I gave them the night off, she replied, her laughter quieting down as a coy smirk appeared on her lips. Why? Well, Jessica has eclipse scene, your ship is empty, and I'm not needed back with the military for another two days. Alphys emptied her pipe and wrapped her arms around his neck.
As he lifted her up to kiss her, her legs snaked their way around his waist for support as he carried her into the bedroom. But as he laid her down on the comforter, he hesitated. Is any of this strange to you? he asked. I mean, here we are, two people who don't want to get married, yet obviously we feel an attraction towards one another that is more than platonic. And now, we have a child together. It's only as strange as we allow it to be, love. Alphys replied, brushing his cheek gently. Does this love mean something to you? Yes, of course it does. Well, there you go. She smiled. I don't know about you, but I don't need traditions to tell myself what I feel. I love you. I love our child. So how about we just do whatever feels natural and see where it goes? Okay. I like the sound of that. For a while, the lovers sat in complete silence, unsure of what to do next. Magic mirror and chill? He suggested with a smile. Hell yeah! She replied, and eagerly kissed him. One year later. Try it again. Solarius commanded. My lord, you shouldn't push yourself too hard. Rombili suggested. Try it again! He demanded. The king had been trying to unlock his body's natural magic by practicing simple spells without the scepter. Currently, he was practicing the crystal pulverizing spell that would free Muman soldiers caught in the crossfire of Rombili's magic crystals. Reluctantly, the magic warden froze her king's arm in an unbreakable crystal. Solarius spoke the incantation and moved his fingers over the crystal encasing his arm. But nothing happened. Damn it! He cursed and shattered it with his scepter. I am thirty years old. Why haven't my muberty powers activated? Solarius, it's fine. Indexia soothed. No, it's not fine. He snapped. I can't be any help to the people like this. Last week the monsters took Nefsi Valley. They're getting bolder. And I still can't unlock my full potential. Can this day get any worse? Knock, knock. Solarius turned around to see an older man standing behind him. I had to ask, he grumbled. Well, hello to you, too. Skywind scoffed. What do you want, Skywind? Well, it's the strangest dash. The former king shook his head in disbelief. Did you just call me Skywind? Never mind. I was in the marketplace the other day, and Rosalind told me the strangest thing. Apparently, I have a grandson almost two years old. Yeah, what of it? What of it? Skywind pointed to his head. Look at me, boy. I'm turning gray. I don't know how much time I have left. Well, why don't you spend it in an observatory? His son grunted. Or maybe in a library? That seemed to be the only place that made you happy. Or how about you go to another dimension? like you did on the day Mom died. Oh, for the love of Dash. Skywind punched the wall angrily. How long are you going to blame me for that? You don't think it tore me apart when I came home that night? You don't think I wish that I could just say a magic word and bring her back? You don't think I wanted revenge? I guess not. Solarius sneered. You were too weak to do anything about it. Well, I'm not. I will carve up every monster if I have to, but I will see to it that Mom is avenged. 
Solarius, my boy, the king of ours pleaded. All I want is to see my grandchild. Don't I deserve that? Didn't I take care of you? I taught you how to use the scepter. I taught you how to lead. I taught you to be a king, didn't I? Yes, you did, Skywind. You did all of that and more. But let me tell you what you didn't do. You didn't let me think for myself. You didn't ask me what I enjoyed. You didn't comfort me when Mom died. And now you have the gall to come into my kingdom and judge me? Skywind opened his mouth to retort, but nothing came out. Solarius turned to walk away, only to stop at the doorway. After a brief pause, the king sighed and turned back to his father. Do you really want to meet your grandson? Skywind smiled, happily. Yes, I'd like that. Suddenly, a scream rang out through the castle, alarming the past and current kings. That's Alphys! Solarius cried. He drew his scepter and rushed upstairs with his father close behind. Solarius was practically foaming at the mouth at the thought of his loved ones being harmed by a disgusting monster. At last, he kicked down the door to his child's nursery and pointed his scepter, charging it with a lethal spell. What's wrong? Where's the monster? Is Eclipsine okay? Solarius! Get over here! Alphys beckoned, her voice still hysterical. Solarius examined the room for monsters, checking under the crib, inside the closet, and outside the window. But there were no threats whatsoever. The king turned back to his lover. What's the problem? Listen to this. The sea captain picked up her child and held him up to his father. Okay, Eclipsine. Who is this? Who is this? Eclipsine giggled, reaching out as far as his arms would stretch. Dida! Dida! The king dropped his weapons as tears trickled over his smile. This is the happiest day of my life, he sobbed joyfully. Dida! 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 Eclipsine repeated as his father took him in his arms. Then, the baby looked past his father's shoulder and pointed. But? Uh, Solarius bit his lip. It was an awkward situation for both of them, but he finally introduced the boy to the old man. Eclipsing, my boy, this, this is your grandfather. Hello, little one. Skywind smiled, wagging a finger at the giggling infant. My, my, you are quite a sight. I'll bet my bottom dollar that you'll make a big impact on Muni when your time comes. Ten years later. It was a dark night when Solarius returned from battle with the slime men. The liquid-like creatures had an uncanny ability to infect Miamans with a nearly fatal sickness just with one touch. The military had only been able to defeat this special breed by burning them alive with torches. Those who were unfortunate enough to be afflicted by this sickness were being treated but no cure had yet been discovered. Solarius was tired. All he wanted was to draw a hot bath prepare a nice meal, and spend a few hours with his son before drifting off to sleep. He climbed up the stairwell towards his boy's room and knocked on the door. Eclipsine? He called. Eclipsine, are you still up? I was thinking we could have a few minutes to talk. Silence. There was no response. Son? Eclipsine, are you? 
he entered the room and found that his boy was not there. He was just about to suggest to himself that perhaps he had fallen asleep in the library again when he spotted the rope hanging out the window. Oh no! Eclipse scene. In his frustration, he vaporized the rope with his scepter and ran back downstairs. He gave a sharp whistle and his trained warnicorn came galloping around the corner. The king jumped up onto the saddle and rode off into the forest, yelling his child's name at the top of his lungs. After a few hours, he heard a faint scream coming from the north. He unmounted his steed and quietly peered through the trees. Much to his horror, he saw his son in the clutches of a terrible size shifter, while a hideous bat monster readied a throwing dagger. Poor little Mumin boy! The beast snarled. Let this be a lesson to you for wandering into monster territory. But before the blade left the monster's leathery hand, he was painfully tackled to the ground by the mighty king. You will not touch my son. Solarius screamed with every crushing blow to the bat's face. Dad! Solarius ceased his attack and turned just in time to see the size shifter running off with the prince still in its grasp. He sliced off the bat's head, whistled for his steed again, and began his pursuit. The monster kidnapper was a crafty being, knocking over trees and throwing rocks in an attempt to hinder him, but with the power of the scepter, he sliced away any and all obstructions. Nothing would keep him from saving his boy. Slowly but surely, the king soon caught up with the monster and prepared to strike it down in a single blow. But Eclipsine had managed to break free from its hold and stumbled down a steep hill. No! Solarius cried and jumped after him, forgetting about the monster. Hang on, Eclipsine, I'm coming! Dad! Help me! Eclipsine screamed in terror. He tried to grab onto something to stop his fall, but there was nothing to help. At last, his father grabbed him by his jacket and dug the scepter's magic blade deep into the ground. The king hugged his boy tight to his chest as he carefully pulled them both back up the hill. Are you okay? Did that thing hurt you? Solarius brushed the tears from his son's eyes, examining him for any serious injuries. Are you all right? Are you hurt? No, Dad. I'm fine. Really, I'm fine his son replied, calming down. Okay. Solarius sighed in relief. He then proceeded to slap his son upside the head. Then what the hell were you thinking? Oh. Dad, calm down. Eclipsine stammered before being dragged towards the warnicorn by the ear. Ow. 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 Since the size shifter had disappeared, Solarius decided it would be pointless to risk his son's life any further by trying to chase after it. The prince was lifted up onto the trained steed, then his father joined him and took the reins and they began their long journey back to the castle. The king was livid as he reprimanded his son's foolish behavior. You could have gotten yourself killed! I told you how many times it's dangerous to go outside the barrier without me. When your grandmother was eaten alive by a lizard man, I was the one who found her. That image is seared into my mind. Did you want me to have you in a similar memory? By the time they passed through the magic barrier, the king was still ranting and eclipsing just listened quietly. 
Why would you do this to me? Solarius continued his scolding as he led the boy inside the castle. For thirteen years I have tried my best to raise you while taking care of the kingdom and leading an army. Have I been perfect? No. Do I know anything about being a single father? No. Should I have read a book about parenting? Probably. Where was I going with this? I had a point. I love you, Dad. The prince smiled sheepishly. Well, I love you, too. Solarius bellowed, hysterically. So, you march up to your bedroom and think about what you've done. Yes, sir. Eclipsine nodded and walked upstairs in shame. As he watched his child make the climb, the monster carver felt a slight ache in his chest. Perhaps he was too hard on the boy. A while later, after checking the barrier and his wounded men, he went up to check on the prince. Since the door was opened, slightly, Solarius peeked inside first. Eclipsine was scribbling his thoughts down in the great book of magic like a personal diary. The king knocked on the door, and his son quickly slammed the book shut. Uh, see, come in. Son? Are you all right? Solarius asked, concerned. You look a little spooked. Well, it's, it's been a long day. Eclipsine smiled, putting the book away and headed over to his bed. Uh, Dad? I'm sorry that I made you worry. It's just that I've been so cooped up in this castle lately. I tried to make some friends, but nobody really likes me. Still, I shouldn't have wandered so far. I'm sorry I dash. No, I'm sorry. Solarius sat down on the bed and stroked his son's forehead. I shouldn't have been so hard on you. I know that things aren't very easy with you, being so isolated all the time, but I really do just want to keep you safe. You know that, right? Yes, I know, Dad. Eclipsine smiled. And I love you for it. Solarius kissed his son on the cheek and blew out the candle on his nightstand. Good night, Eclipsine. Good night, Dad. Chapter 4 Rising Tension Solarius held his chest as he tried to catch his breath. Ever since he passed the scepter on to his son for his fourteenth birthday, he had been forced to use alternative weapons. Additionally, his age was beginning to catch up to him, and he was slowly losing his physical strength. It proved rather difficult, but he still managed to muscle through each and every battle. Because he knew no matter how weary or how tired he grew, he could never give up until he accomplished his goal of driving the monsters back to the forest of certain death. His kingdom depended on it. His son depended on it. However, one day, something completely unexpected happened. One day, while gathering up the casualties of the latest massacre, Solarius was beginning to lose faith in his own cause. That was when a small brigade of monsters approached him, led by Kappa. His name was Clevis, and he had an offer that the king could not refuse. Say that again? The king crossed his arms as he listened to the proposal. I said I have spoken with a representative of each monster colony, Clevis repeated. And we have all come to the same conclusion. This war is going nowhere, your majesty. We lose some of our men, you lose some of yours. And it has carried on like this for almost twenty years. So, we propose a final contest. One last duel to the death. 
We will volunteer a single fighter, as will you, and the winner will determine the fate of Muni. Explain, the king demanded. If your fighter emerges victorious, every monster settlement outside the forest of certain death will be abandoned and we will retreat back into the forest. However, the monster's smile grew wider. If our fighter succeeds, your castle will be ours. The Muman soldiers gasped in shock at the absurd idea, but the king was unfazed. Indeed, it sounded too good to be true, but it would definitely end the war. He looked over at Hecapo and Rombili who had been by his side for protection the entire time. Both members of the commission seemed to have faith in the idea, but he still wasn't entirely convinced. Asking for a moment to himself, Solarius summoned Indexia. What do you think? he asked. I think it's suicidal, my king, she replied. I told you from the beginning, I don't get involved in wars and politics. Additionally, I can see by that look in your eyes that you plan to volunteer yourself. With all due respect, I think you are out of your mind. You are past your prime. Tell me something, Indexia, he remarked. You consider Onitraxus, Lekmat, Hecapo, and Rombili your children, correct? In a way, the mage nodded. Well, if you had a chance to guarantee their safety, would you take it? Of course I would, my liege. With that, Solarius strutted back to the kappa. Where will this duel take place? The leaders of Muni rejoiced. By tomorrow morning, they would be free from monster threats for good. Solarius had been training ever since the proposal, ensuring that his body would be ready. Jessica had insisted that he take a few hours to relax before the duel, and so he joined in the celebration. An umbrella handle pulled on his bicep, earning his attention. Eclipsine was tugging on his arm, wanting to get his attention. Hey, kid. The king smiled. Are you all right? Can I talk to you? Alone? Yeah. Absolutely. Solarius followed his son away from the delegates and into the hallway. The prince didn't say anything until the voices quieted down enough. So you're really going through with this? Yeah, I'm heading out at twilight with your aunt and a few others. You know, you don't have to do this, right? Actually, I kinda do. Dad? Eclipsine stopped walking once they were alone. Please, please don't do this. I can't lose you, too. Solarius tilted his head. What are you talking about? I'll be fine. And even if I'm not, you'll be taken care of, Dash. Really? The prince scoffed, irritably. So, your idea of taking care of me is marrying me off to someone I don't like? Who told you that? Indexia. She overheard you talking to Warner Spiderbite, and she said you arranged for me to marry his granddaughter. Eclipsine shuddered uncomfortably. That, that horrible woman. But this way, your Aunt Jessica could still take care of you. Solarius reasoned. Dad, I... I met someone. What? Really? Solarius sounded surprised, but happy. Why didn't you tell me? Because, because... Eclipsine struggled to find the right words. Because you wouldn't approve of her. And I'm afraid if you ever see her, and find out what kind of girl she is, you'd... you'd hate me. 
What? Solarius spluttered. I would never dash. Yeah, you would, trust me. Eclipsine held his head with both hands, clearly frustrated. You know, it isn't easy being your son. It's bad enough that everybody finds my behavior eccentric. But now, you arrange for me to marry a total stranger because you let someone convince you that I'm so terrible that I am incapable of finding love on my own. Now I finally find someone who loves me. I finally get a little happiness for myself. And now this happens. Do you think that's fair? The king was at a loss for words. It was as if he was meeting his son for the first time. Solarius never denied that his son's hobbies were odd by normal standards especially after reading over a few of the spells he conjured up in the great book but he never once thought that any of it was something to be ashamed of. So why did the boy think he would be ashamed of him for falling in love? Eclipsine was still staring at his father, waiting for a reply. It had taken him so much courage to finally speak his mind, but as the king stood there in shocked silence, he wondered if he had just made a huge mistake. At long last, his father rubbed a hand over his mouth, thinking about what to say and how to properly say it. You wouldn't believe this, but you used to fit right here. Solarius pointed to his palm. I'd hold you up to your mother, and I'd say to her just wait and see. This kid's gonna grow up to be someone great. This kid's gonna be better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good, and strong, and smart, and wonderful. I savored every little chance I got to watch it happen. It was like a privilege. Eclipsing's face softened, slightly. And with all my heart, I wanted nothing more than to stay home and make sure you were treated right. And now, I see I probably should have because at some point while I was away, you changed. You stopped being you. You let all those stuck-up delegates and their kids walk all over you and say you're no good, just because you're weird or creepy or whatever. And when you started to believe them, you stopped talking to me. You wouldn't let me help you. But now that I've tried to help to do what I thought would be best for you, you decided to blame me. Eclipsine found it hard to look his father in the eyes at this point. Nevertheless, the king went on. I never wanted to do anything that would hurt you in any way. If you know what you want, then go out and get what you want. But you gotta be willing to work for it. You've always been smart enough to know what's best for you, but you have to communicate. And not go around saying that your life is only miserable because of him, or her, or anybody. Cowards do that, and that's not you. You're better than that. You're better than them. You're better than me. Solarius took long, deep breaths to calm himself down. The grandfather clock inside rang out to signal ten o'clock, meaning that he needed to wrap up their conversation. The king placed a firm hand on his child's shoulder, tilting his chin up to meet his eyes. I'll alter my will when we get back, he promised. But I never want to hear you say that again. I will always love you, no matter what. You're my son and you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you learn not to worry about what others think of you, you're not gonna have a life. The prince whimpered, touched by his father's words. Solarius pulled the boy close into a tight embrace, which Eclipsine gratefully returned. I love you, Dad, he cried. I love you, too, 
Solarius sighed and let go of his boy to rejoin the other leaders. Don't forget to visit your grandparents at the cemetery. With that, the young boy looked on as his father went back to entertain the delegates. Chapter 5 The Last Stand Just Outside the Forest of Certain Death The Full Moon Most people from Muni considered it comforting, beautiful, and even romantic. But for the warrior king, it served only as a reminder of the night his mother died. Countless nights were spent laying awake, wondering if there was anything he could have done to prevent it. Now, as he lay on his berth, watching over his slumbering companions, he couldn't help but repeatedly relive the entire memory. Jessica had offered to take his place to let him sleep, but he refused. His nightmares were much more vivid. Instead, he chose to wait for the monster horde to make their move. Unfortunately, Solarius wasn't very patient and quickly grew bored. He snaked his hand under his chest piece and pulled out a tattered piece of paper. Unfolding it revealed a colorful drawing that immediately brought a smile to his face. He folded it up again and tucked it back under his armor. Still bored, he reached for his knapsack and grabbed his harp. This one's for you, my boy. He sighed, strumming the chords. Leaves from the vine, falling so slow like fragile, tiny shells, drifting in the foam little soldier boy, come marching home brave soldier boy, come marching home. For a brief moment, the king felt just as he did fourteen years ago, as if he were back in Eclipsine's bedroom, rocking him to sleep as he sang that wonderful song. In that moment, nothing else mattered. Solarius had lost so much throughout his life and accumulated so many regrets. But in spite of all the misery and pain he lived through, he always had Eclipsine, his pride and joy. Just thinking of how intelligent, and strong his own son was made him believe that his efforts weren't in vain. And after this final battle, Solarius would finally have all the time in the world to watch his son grow up to be a great king. Sadly, the moment was ruined by a slow, sardonic clap. Solarius dropped his harp, jumped to his feet, and drew both of his swords. The monsters came out from the shadows, each and every species present for the duel. But before anyone did anything regrettable, the Kappa Clevis pushed his way through the crowd. Now, now, let's calm down, gentlemen, he said with his usual tact. Remember, we are here to settle the conflict between human and monster once and for all. King Dragonfly, shall we review the agreement one final time? Indeed. Solarius reluctantly put away his weapons just as his companions woke up. As agreed. I have brought only a few witnesses to the battlefield of choice. I can see that. Clevis nodded, surveying the surrounding area. Second item, we have each selected a representative to battle one another to the death on behalf of the other's respective species. And whoever is left standing will determine the fate of Muni. Solarius concluded. If the Muman wins, the monsters are to remain in the forest of certain death. And if the monster wins, you can have my kingdom. Wonderful! Clevis smiled crookedly. So, who is the lucky Muman? Who will represent you? I will, of course. The king pointed to himself. And where is your representative? The crowd of monsters split apart, creating a straight path for the monster's champion. 
Solarius' eyes widened in shock as the tall lizard man came strutting down the path. Greetings, your majesty. He bowed, facetiously. I am Mors Caput. You, it's you. Solarius clenched his fists. You killed my mother. Ah, uh, that's right. Mors grinned, sinisterly. I do recall dining on royalty before. It was so delicious, I just had to have it again. Solarius angrily turned away from the beast, realizing that he was trying to get a rise out of him. As Caput went about preparing himself, Solarius went to consult his friends. I don't like this, Rambili said immediately. Those lizard men are invincible. They can grow back from scraps. You have to call this off, Solarius, Jessica begged. They've planned this. They knew you couldn't defeat a lizard without the scepter. I can't give up now, Solarius refused. If I turn back now, the monsters will never retreat. But it's a lizard, Hecapo reiterated. How can you hope to beat him? I'll think of something, Solarius assured the group as he picked up a battle axe to add on to his dual swords. Two frogmen drew a circle for the battle, giving it a twenty-foot radius for equal ground. Two men enter, one man leaves. Morris cackled. I'm going to enjoy peeling your juicy flesh off of your muscles. With that, Solarius made the first move. He swung his axe with both hands, knowing that it would entice his opponent to back away. Morris tried to go around, but the king wouldn't let him. With lightning reflexes, Solarius finally dug the axe blade into Caput's chest and used it to throw him to the other side of the ring. He gripped his weapon hard and rushed again. The lizard man rolled out of the way just in time. The axe was stuck in the ground, giving Moors enough time to regenerate his lost flesh. He slashed at the king's back with his razor-sharp claws, covering his palms with blood. Hmm, funny, I thought it'd be blue. He snickered and lapped it up. Solarius growled once he finally pulled his axe free and swatted his opponent away. This time, Moors was more than winded. His rib cage broke and punctured one of his lungs. Injuries such as that took much longer to heal, but still the monster stood his ground. Solarius could see that Caput was weakened and prepared for another attack. But while he was at such a distance, Moors drew a simple dagger and expertly threw it into Solarius' arm. Taken by surprise, the Muman king lost his grip on the axe and stumbled onto the ground. The axe had gone out of the ring, making it out of bounds, but Moors still had both of his weapons. The dagger seemed to be designed to hook into the victim's muscles, unable to be pulled out. Solarius decided to ignore it and work through the pain. With his axe gone, he drew both of his swords and sliced off Moors' left arm. Soon. Afterwards, he leapt over his enemy and sliced open his belly. But before he could do any more damage, the king felt a strong sickness overtaking him. He dropped his swords and fell to his knees while Moore's wounds quickly healed up. Looking back down at the knife, Solarius was shocked to see his veins turning black. You, you poisoned me! Yes, yes, I did. With the snap of his fingers, Caput commanded ten other monsters to step forward. Four of them went to hold the commission back while the remaining six kicked and clobbered the warrior king into the ground, 
worsening his condition. By the time they had grown tired, the ground was soaked with royal blood. Ha ha ha! Look at the hero! Moores laughed as the four other monsters kept the commission pinned. You thought you could come onto my land and oppress my people. Now why don't you just lay there and watch while we eat your people? The sinister villain stomped on Solarius' back before slowly marching out of the circle, leaving the king to cry into the dirt. I'm sorry, Eclipsine, he whimpered. I wasn't. I wasn't strong enough. I. I. His eyes widened in terror. He was patting around his chest piece, but the paper wasn't there. His eyes frantically darted around the area until he spotted it just a few feet away. It must have fallen out from that last punch. Struggling against the pain, he crawled over to the paper, hoping to see him one last time. Well, well. Found some lingering strength, eh? Morse cackled and snatched up the paper first. What's this? Against all odds, Solarius managed to reach out and grab his enemy's wrist. Give me that! Caput slapped the defeated king to the ground and opened up the paper. That vicious, threatening smile only grew wider as the vile lizard man showed the drawing to his men. It was a crude drawing of the king and his son walking through a garden. And at the very bottom of the paper were the following words. I love you, daddy. Eclipsing dragonfly. Age 8. Boys, you can kill any human you want. Moores announced, never once looking away from Solarius. But this boy, this eclipse scene is mine. Something snapped inside of Solarius at the sound of those words. It wasn't enough that the lizard man had killed his mother and was about to pillage his kingdom, but now he had just threatened the most important person in the king's life. That particular threat caused a chain reaction inside the king's heart and by extension, his body. Jessica was the first to notice it. The other members of the commission were too busy worrying about the monsters, but she hadn't taken her eyes off of her brother. And what she saw was something she thought would never happen. For the first time in his life, Solarius' cheek marks were glowing. A bolt of lightning flashed across the heavens, drawing the attention of everyone gathered. By some miracle, Solarius managed to ignore the pain and rise back to his feet. The king grit his teeth together, clenched his fists, and threw his head back to scream up into the heavens. In the blink of an eye, his skin changed into a bright red pigmentation, for extra arms sprouted from his torso, a pair of wings grew from his back, and two antennae formed on top of his head. His entire body radiated with so much pent-up magical energy that it was almost too intense for the naked eye. There was absolutely no denying it. Solarius had finally unlocked his Muberty form. His first act was to charge at the monsters surrounding his friends and throw them away from the wagon. Next, he grabbed a sword in each hand and spiraled towards the beasts, slicing them to shreds. Two slime men got lucky enough to extend their arms out and hold him still. But just as a conjoinican was about to strike, the king took a deep breath and puffed a strong breath of fire. The conjoinican and both slime men were burned to a crisp, leaving Solarius free to continue. Caput could hardly believe his eyes. All that time spent obtaining the poison so that he could easily overpower Solarius had all been in vain. 
his entire plan was unraveling before him. But he wouldn't allow it. He tackled the king back into the dirt circle, biting and punching and kicking as hard as he could. Suddenly, two hands held Moore's jaws shut, while two more blocked both of his fists, and yet another two hands conjured up a firebolt that blasted the evil monster off of his foe. Caput's skin was scorched. The fireball had bored a hole all the way through his chest. After a few chokes and coughs, the monster's champion regenerated and stood up. But Solarius had also recovered. Why? The reptilian growled. Why won't you die? Because until I know that my son will be safe to live and grow. Solarius wiped the blood from his mouth, never once taking his eyes off of the lizard man. I can't. I won't die. Moores growled in exasperation. What was supposed to be an easy victory had turned out to be another exhausting, long-winded conflict. The lizard man clasped his hands together for the killing blow. Cute trick, your highness. He snarled, raising his fists high into the air. But it's still too weak. That's because... Just as the two mighty, reptilian claws came down, one of Solarius' left arms reached up to stop it in midair. This sudden act of strength startled both the monsters and the commission alike. The four extra arms and wings retracted back into the king's body, but his strength hadn't faltered. He was channeling all of his body's natural magic into one final spell. My back wasn't in it. So many vivid memories and emotions flooded Solarius' mind. The memory of his mother, who taught him to be kind. The memories of his father, who taught him to be strong. The memories of Jessica, who taught him to be wise. The memories of Milo, who taught him to be persistent. Memories of Alphys, who taught him to love. And most of all, memories of Eclipsine, who taught him to be happy. All of these memories gave Solarius the strength he needed to carry on, as they reminded him exactly what he had been fighting for. The lightning bolts on his cheeks burned brighter than the stars in the sky as his body's magic channeled into his right fist. Farewell. Moore's Caput! Fear flickered in Caput's eyes as his opponent pivoted on his heel, shifted his torso, and thrusted forward with a mighty scream. The king's punch made contact with the lizardman's face, crushing him into the hard soil beneath them. And with a furious scream, King Solarius Dragonfly unleashed his most powerful spell, named after the best person he ever knew. Total. Eclipse. Blast. The spell violently exploded against the monster's skin, burning away every scrap of flesh, every piece of bone, and every drop of blood. Caput roared in agony as his entire molecular structure was being completely vaporized. Cascading shockwaves of power rippled through the air, the earth cracked open to allow hot magma to erupt into the air, and countless bolts of blinding lightning broke free from the sky. The commission protected Jessica from the storm, shielding her with their own bodies. The monster army held onto rocks and trees and anything else they could find, not wanting to be swept up into the mystic storm. It only lasted for a few minutes, but to everyone it felt like an eternity. But just as suddenly as it had begun, it soon ended. As the dust cleared, only one figure was left. The Muman king was left on his knees, with the poisoned dagger still stuck in his chest. However, 
The only thing left of the monster's leader was a pile of ashes. Jessica and her companions held their breath, unable to predict what would come next. At last, battered, weary, but unbeaten, Solarius found the strength to stand up. Much to the horror of the remaining horde, the blood-soaked king pointed, menacingly, at them. His throat struggled against him at first, but he finally managed to force three simple words out of his mouth. Never come back! Quivering and shaking, the monsters sprinted away from the battlefield and retreated back into the forest of certain death. He did it! Jessica smiled brightly. He did it! He really did it! The High Commission cheered in victory. The king had kept his word and pushed back their oppressors. Hecapo and Rombili danced joyfully, while Jessica hugged Indexia tight. But the celebration came to an abrupt stop once Solarius collapsed. Solarius! Jessica yelled, running as fast as she could. The poison had finally taken its toll, spreading throughout his body. No! No, 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 no! Solarius! Solarius, you can't go! We finally won! You need to come home! It's all right. His voice strained, barely louder than a whisper. Don't you see? I did it, Jessica. W what? I couldn't. I couldn't save her, Mom. I couldn't save her, but I saved Eclipsine. I kept him safe, didn't I? You did, my liege. Hecapo nodded, sadly. With a small smile, Solarius weakly breathed his final words. Then, there's, there's nothing to regret. Oh, Solarius. Jessica wept. My baby brother, oh, Stump. The Prime Minister buried her face into the fallen king's chest. How am I gonna tell Eclipsine? And so, King Solarius died as he lived, protecting the ones he loved from the monsters. Following his death, the Solarian army continued to guard Muni in honor of Solarius' memory. The king's body was given a proper burial at sea as instructed in his will. And of course his only son, Eclipsine, inherited the throne at an early age to maintain stability in the kingdom. But that is another story. A castle stormed is a hero born. With might as strong as steel, kneels the void before him, and the crushing force he wields.